Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. What's good? Welcome to the best 60 minutes of your day. Happy Friday. Coming up, I'm sure Jamel will try to throw dirt on the Patriots' corpse. Uh, later on, we'll take an in-depth look at Week 1's marquee matchups, tell you who we're taking in the OU-OSU showdown, taking you down to Clemson where Marty Smith is standing by with Dabo Sweeney, and tell you why you should never consider taking a voucher in exchange for giving up your seat on a flight full of your fellow rabbit fans. So you, of course, would start this with really bad advice to people. Um, but for now, as you see, we got a list of things to talk about. But we begin with the latest on Ezekiel Elliott. At any moment, a Texas judge is expected to decide whether or not to grant Ezekiel Elliott a temporary restraining order or a preliminary injunction regarding his six-game suspension for domestic violence. Elliott is playing against the Giants on Sunday either way. If Elliott... Uh, if the ruling today doesn't go in his favor, uh, the expectation is that he and the NFLPA will appeal the ruling. So no word yet, uh, but we still need legal advice in terms of figuring out what the heck yeah, like, is going on. Are you a retainer on. for us? <laughs> yeah, you, work like at ESPN? you have an issue with a car? Anything I need, I got you. Well, I guess first things first, uh, mm-hmm. the fact that we don't have a ruling already yeah. What are we to make of that? Well, we expected to have one by now, but here's the thing. Judges have discretion. They can do what they want. And so even though we thought we'd have one by now, this is typical of this entire process. You know, you want to sit there and say, oh, Ezekiel Elliott's going to win, he's going to lose. But ultimately, it's up to the judge. He has a lot of discretion, including when he comes out with a decision. Well, you call this a Hail Mary attempt on the part of Ezekiel Elliott and the NFLPA. Mm -hmm. You, as a legal expert, mm-hmm. does this give you pause that the judge hasn't, quote-unquote, knocked it down, so to speak, yet? No, it okay. doesn't. It, it, because to me... It's I just hanging it, in the air a little you know longer than you thought. Hail, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know why I call it a Hail Mary pass? And as we all know, they sometimes get completed. Mm-hmm. Because on its face... This is a strong situation for the NFL. This is a situation where courts, they don't necessarily like to come into situations that are collectively bargained Mm -hmm. and say, you know, you didn't do this process right. You didn't do that right. And the NFL's problems here in this suit don't aren't glaring in a way a court views them. So that's why it favors the NFL. But it doesn't mean this judge can't come in and say, you know what, there's a little smoke here, maybe there's fire. Yeah. Let me take a little closer look at this. And in the meantime, I'm just going to grant this TRO. He's yeah. going to sit on the side. You know, He's going to play for a week or two. And then we'll get to the bigger issue, which is the preliminary see, issue. That, see, that's what I'm wondering, guys. Yeah. Because, I mean, you see Josh Brown, former Giants kicker, probably former NFL kicker, suspended yeah. for you know six games retroactively because they went and opened up a new investigation, which, which screams that they're going back and dotting I's, crossing T's, either for the sake of optics or for the sake of covering their bases as it relates to this current Ezekiel Elliott case when it comes to the issue of consistency. I say all that, Ryan, because yeah. I'm like, well, if you're a judge, even though Article 46 grants Goodell this absolute power, it doesn't mean he has to corrupt it absolutely mm-hmm. and abuse it. At some point, will some judge say, you know what? This is wrong, how you went about doing this. The question becomes, is he abusing it? And, and when you look at it, Players how will say, far yeah. Can, yeah, but the thing is, how far can you go? So what are the claims here? They're claiming that there's a conspiracy against Ezekiel Elliott. Yet you look at the filings. At one point, they're like, this Lisa Friel uh, 
told Commissioner Goodell that they only had certain information about this woman's credibility. And later they claim that they're not sure who said Kim Roberts, the investigator who interviewed Tiffany Thompson, couldn't testify. So on the one end, you're saying she's part of the conspiracy. On the other end, you're saying she didn't know about part of the conspiracy. There's a lot of claims in all of this that make it seem like, well, it's not really clear what the NFLPA is getting at. And it's not really clear that the process was fundamentally unfair enough in order to grant a TRO, in order to grant a permanent right. injunction, a, a, a preliminary injunction, right. which is what they have to decide after. This. Or at least a clear violation, according yeah. to Howard Henderson, of the process that's laid out in the policy. Right. Now, look, let's just yeah. say that this goes the way most people expect, um, mostly what it sounds like you're predicting, that this goes the way of the NFL as previous mm-hmm. uh, court battles have gone. Yeah. Uh, what kind of message, though, does this then send to the players who continually or have been trying to challenge the NFL and the courts and seemingly losing every Well, I would time. say, first of all, I would say that eventually this will favor the NFL. I'm not ready to say that the TRO is not going to happen because it could. And then there's a preliminary hearing issue, which is a bigger thing that will likely keep them on the field for the rest of the year. And then they're going to decide this overall case. But what I would say to players right now is if you don't like it, take it up in the next CBA. This CBA has a situation where he has a lot of power and he has a lot of discretion over how he runs this. And courts, they don't want to get involved in arbitrations. Think of how that would look. If courts kept weighing in on how arbitrations go, then what's everybody going to do with an arbitration clause? I don't like the decision. I'm going to go to court. Courts are jammed up right now. That's the last thing they want. And they're big on precedent. And then what becomes the point of collective bargaining, right? Exactly. So that's the last thing they want to do. So unless this judge sees that there's smoke, maybe there's fire, let's hear this thing out, then that's the way he's going to grant the TRO. And then even after that, I think it favors the NFL in the overall case. All right, we're about five after five. Saying, hang on, hang on, <laughs> we know you charged by the hour. I'm on retainer. But, uh, <laughs> I'm about like eight, Stick around. Hours. We may need you later on yeah. in the show. All Make right. sure you have your check. Okay, <laughs> from uh, the courtroom to the field. Meanwhile, the Patriots, they might want to lay low for a while. The 42 points they allowed uh, last night were the most by Belichick coach Patriots team. The 537 yards the Chiefs gashed them for were the most given up by any Bill Belichick team. So I guess... You can guess what kind of mood he was in on the conference call today. I think I said a thousand times. I think we got a lot of work to do. I don't think anything that we did really was good enough. Not really interested in living in the past in 2014, 2015, 2003, 2004, which constantly keeps coming up. I mean, everything's about some other year, but this year in this team. I don't really think all that's relevant because we're talking about another team, but we got a thousand questions about it every week. So I'm really concerned about the 2017 team, what this team is, what this team needs to do. I'm not trying to live in the past like everybody else is. He's grumpy on the outside, but he's smiling on the inside because they got a lot of work to do, clearly. But his job just got made a hell of a lot easier because what you just heard was the abbreviated version of the gist of his speech to his team because you had idiots like me talking about them going undefeated and that got nipped in the bud in one night. So now he gets to go and say, you see, I told you so. Stop looking up all these damn banners that I put up here. You newcomers know nothing about this. So realize you are not promised or guaranteed anything because you look so great on paper and we did our jobs in the offseason. Do your job better if you want to hang up a banner of your own. So to me, this is an opportunity for him to now take this situation and refocus this team and say you want to create your own identity and don't think. And here's why he's saying I'm not living in the past, because while 
their body of work grants them the benefit of the doubt that they will bounce back from this because we've seen this before from them. It does not earn them any victories in 2017. And that's his point. So clearly I'm not worried about it because well, I've seen this before. But here's- You're not about to dig up cold takes exposed for me today <laughs> when I come on and say that the Patriots are dead and Brady's old. I ain't here for that. The hottest of takes for me today is that the Patriots are not going undefeated. You, That's as far as I'm going. Okay, but we have to realize there's levels to this. And here's why I would be concerned. Now, to be all out worried, what level of worry? Am I worried that the play- Patriots will miss the playoffs? No. Am you changing I, your Super Bowl pick? Maybe. Yeah? Maybe. Because um, here's the thing. See, what you just said suggested, as a lot of people did uh, on social media, on Twitter in particular, that the Patriots needed to be humbled. No, I'm not saying that. No, no, I I'm know. Not, no Kendrick Lamar over here. No, and the, but the thing is, when you, when you said that, like, he's, he's uh, deep down, he's excited about this because it's an opportunity to drive home the message, which he often does to them and does a great job of saying, hey, despite all this talk, he reminds them constantly of the things yeah. that they don't do well. Right. He has them. But and, it's and, easier to do after a loss, is my point. It is easier to do after a loss. But see, Mike, I don't think this was a thing where the Patriots, they didn't overlook the Chiefs. Man, they no, no, yeah, they no. didn't need to be humbled. I know some people want to see their fans humbled, no, and I yeah, understand. Exactly. And I understand that there's a difference. But I think we saw some real issues mm-hmm. with this team, and they were exposed. I said this when we were talking about whether or not we were over-respecting the Patriots because of how much they've been favored to get to the Super Bowl. And that's why I said it's death by a thousand paper cuts, right? And it's not about missing one player. We know Tom Brady's the most important player on the team, and we'll sure. talk about how he played in a second. But when you're missing a Julian Edelman, when you see uh, uh, Dante Hightower go out, all Amendola nicked up as he often has been throughout his career, all those little things Mm -hmm. start to add up. And the Patriots team that looked pretty invincible, all of a sudden that they're not, and it opens the the door for others. Sure. So again, oh, but that's a, but you kind of you kind of want it both ways here. You don't want to go too far, but you're telling me all the reasons why the foundation is cracking. And all I'm simply saying is how many times must we learn about this team before? See, the problem is they've one game been played. So technically they're the worst team in the league right now. And you mentioned <laughs> If you're a Jets fan, just take a picture of what the division standings look like they right now. They had this amazing <laughs> pregame celebration, and they got some obnoxious fans that for one night had to eat crow, okay? And a lot of people On took pleasure in that. really feeling themselves everybody with their wanted, little towels. Everybody <laughs> wanted to clown the Patriots for their clown towels. But yeah. you know what? Eventually they get the last laugh. I was in Buffalo, I tell you, when they lost 31 nothing, and then it was 2-2 two and, two and then won the Super Bowl. I was at the Ralph. I was there when Drew Bledsoe and Lloyd Malloy won 31 nothing. Are y'all telling me to wrap this up? Yeah, because we got to talk about this man okay. right here, Tom Brady. He completed 44.4% of his passes. Don't do that no more, Jeremy. The fifth lowest completion percentage in his start in his career. Now, his streak of a completion percentage of 50% or higher was snapped at 53 games. It was the third longest active streak in the NFL. Talk about conversations we've been having. We said... That when it came to Tom Brady versus Father Time, Tom Brady might be one of the few athletes. I did. I said I would put my money on it. You and as I was saying before, I was so rudely interrupted. <laughs> I was at Buffalo in 03. I, was, I saw it in 01. I, we, you didn't we, land on just a couple rock, of years ago. Exactly. I'm not going to be hoodwinked and bamboozled again. Just a couple of <laughs> years ago, they were on the Cincinnati. And I'm not saying, like Belichick, I'm not saying that that will earn them a victory against New Orleans and beyond next week. What I'm saying is don't tell me that Tom Brady looked old last night 
right? Because you know why people are saying today that Tom Brady, did he look old? Was, is Tom Brady, is Tom, Father Tom catching up to him? You know why? Because way too often people look for theories to suit facts, or excuse me, look for facts to suit theories instead of the other way around where it's theories to suit facts. And everybody came into this season wondering whether he was going to fall off some imaginary cliff. So you mean to tell me 39-year-old, 39-and-a-half-year-old Tom Brady was one way, but because he's 40, it's like, oh, I guess I got to be bad. You know what he looked like? Any other quarterback... 20 years old or 40 years old who's under pressure from the likes of Justin Houston. The conversation today should be about Kansas City, who nobody was talking about going into this game. Give props to my cousin, Alex Smith. My cousin. <laughs> Your brother from another Give mother? props to Alex Smith. Give props to Kareem Hunt. Give props to that defense and a well-coached Andy Reid team that was 12-4 and last year and was no pushover. They should be the, the, the talk of today, not whether the Patriots right. are in trouble or Tom Brady's yeah, old. Okay. Stop. That's all good and well, Mike, but you want to talk about having it both ways. You can't have it both ways. Well, either. I do. Okay, we can't spend as we have for weeks, if not months. You, of all people, we... Inside baseball, inside SC6 business. How many times have I been the one to be like, why do we have to keep talking about the Patriots? Why do we have to keep talking about the Patriots? We get it. They're good. Blah, 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 That's blah. because right? you're a hater. I'm not being a hater. It's just like, okay, water is wet. Patriots are good. I get it. Mm-hmm. And every time the Patriots made the slightest of moves, Michael Smith is like, oh, my God. They, they're not just going 16 they They're going 32 and up. They had a great all-season. All so yes. then all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, no. This isn't about the Patriots. This is about the Chiefs. No, it is You absolute. can respect the Chiefs. They get paid, too. I didn't say I don't respect the Chiefs. What I'm saying is the Patriots going to have to take this L and these jokes. And, they're and that's taking just it. the reality and they're of taking it. it. But okay? guess what? By the and, end of the year... Brady is going to have to take the fact that he, he old. He old. Okay. He's 40. All right. Y'all okay? trying to I'm not saying that He's God. inaccurate. You know why he's inaccurate? He was getting hit. He was getting okay. hit through. They're all but inaccurate But there were some signs, some things, and as much as, and as jumpy as he was in the pocket. All and right, again, man. Kansas right. City has done this to him in particular before. Precisely. I get that. But when he missing wide open guys with nobody around him. That's age. I'm just saying. I'm just like, what, was, News, he, hey, was he hearing the footsteps? Newsflash, like, news flash, Slick. What happened? Tom Brady's looked bad before. Mm-hmm. It's happened yeah. when he was younger. Be right. they got a lot. Okay, they got a lot of quarterbacks that have looked bad under pressure, as I, as I maintain. But here's the thing about Tom Brady. If Tom Brady ends up throwing for, I don't know, 28 touchdowns and, God forbid, nine interceptions this year. <laughs> that doesn't make him old and washed up. No, he doesn't look, despite all the memes Don't come in here no last ugs. night of putting him okay, all right, in all the right. washing machine. Y'all just, y'all just couldn't wait. Y'all couldn't wait to do this. Y'all couldn't wait to do this. All right, now we on to your Chiefs. You have even that a Patriots fan. I'm just trying to keep it 100. What we learned from Tyreek Hill last night is that there are levels to stunt. That's great. One layer that was, was brilliant. You know he called this play I heard. that led to the 75-yard touchdown and then chucking up the deuces to Devin McCourty. Peace. By the way, mm. remember all I talked about how the NFL, they're embracing the fun of the league? Well, according to Pro Football Talk, they may find Tyreek Hill because he chucked up the deuces. Yeah, but, 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 okay, but wait, 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 wait a second, wait a second. I'm here for this. For but, what? The NFL? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. I mean, chuck up the deuces. Okay. Like, we should all be so lucky that we can score a 65-yard touchdown in six straight games which nobody else has done. Just but he is taunting. To, to, to he is honest. taunting. So, you know what? Let's, let's Since we like it, let's just start to raise money for the Tyreek Hill fund and pay this fine for him. Keep throwing up the deuces. Man, this stinks. A Friday MRI confirmed Chief Safety Eric Berry ruptured his left Achilles tendon covering Gronk in the fourth quarter. Three-time All-Pro will miss the remainder of the season. Mm. Obviously missed most of 2011, as you recall, after tearing his ACL. Missed much of 2014 after diagnosed with lymphoma. Just signed a $70 million extension. Yeah, this is very tough news for the the Chiefs. And on a night that they really seized. Like, Mm -hmm. the night was supposed to belong to the Patriots. They, They were the ones being coordinated by their fans. 
and with Roger Goodell there and all the stuff they had going on, for them to put on that kind of performance yeah. and then lose their best player at the same time. I know, it kind of takes the, a lot of the wind out of the sails. But it, they got Lynn Dawson at quarterback now, <laughs> you know. And Walter Payton at running back. Our, on a serious note, biggest story that our country's facing right now is, is the weather with Hurricane Irma bearing down on Florida NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. He was at Foxborough last night. He'll be in Houston Sunday for Jags, Texans to honor J.J. Watt and others for their work following the devastation of Hurricane Harvey. Now, Watt's here to that effort that raised more than $30 million. Meanwhile, the Jags say that they will stay in Houston after the game to monitor weather and travel conditions in Florida. And as for Irma, which has already forced the league to postpone Bucks dolphins in Miami, which was supposed to be on Sunday, now week 11, Dolphins are now planning to move operations to California leading up to their September 17th game against the Chargers. All right, this just in to SportsCenter. Judge Amos Mazant has issued a temporary restraining order which puts Ezekiel Elliott's six-game suspension on hold. Elliott had already been given the go-ahead to play on Sunday night against the Giants in order to give Judge Mazant some time to decide whether or not to grant the TRO. The TRO freezes the suspension while Elliott and the NFLPA pursue a lawsuit to get the suspension overturned permanently. This, of course, was related to the six-game suspension he received for domestic violence allegations. Counsel, welcome back. Yes. Thanks for not leaving. We knew we would need you, but (laughs) when you said it was a Hail Mary attempt Uh by Ezekiel Elliott in the NFL PA, I listened to every interview you did, and you also said I guess this was an Aaron Rodgers one. Yeah, exactly. Aaron Rodgers did this one. You also said that they would only grant the TRO if they thought there was a chance they could win in court and get it overturned completely. Is Is this what you're seeing here? That is absolutely what I'm seeing. And and remember the example I used. When there's smoke, there could be fire. And what they're looking at here, typically, when you grant this, there's a couple of things you have to meet. One of them is a likelihood of success on the overall claim. Another one is irreparable harm. So a judge could have looked at this and said, hey, he could face some sort of irreparable harm financially, reputation-wise, whatever it may be. Not only that, he thinks that there's in some way a case here. And at the very least, this judge is saying, I need to take a closer look at this. Now, let me just say this about winning this TRO. It's a big win for Elliot. But it's only part of the picture. This is going to buy him a week, maybe two weeks on the field. Could even be more if he extends the period. What he's really looking for is a preliminary injunction. Because there's likely going to be another hearing that's going to be a little bit broader, a little more evidence offered. And the idea is if you grant that preliminary injunction, that then keeps him on the field until the overall case is heard. We're just told that he did get the preliminary injunction. Okay. We're being told. Well, then that's a great thing for him because that's the big win he wanted. Getting the preliminary injunction allows him to stay on the court until this court, stay on the stay on the field until this court hears the case. That's huge because at that point. So we're seeing Deflate get all over again. Yeah. He could could end up playing this entire season before this is decided. And now the good news for him is the way courts are, they're filled up. Their dockets are filled up. So this case will eventually receive a date. And when it gets that date, then that's when you actually hear this case. That could be the end of the year. That could be next season. In the Meantime, he plays. Ryan, we're being fed pieces of the decision okay. right now. Elliot, at the core of the decision to grant uh-huh. the temporary restraining order and the preliminary injunction, yep. the judge said that Elliot did not receive a fundamentally fair that's, hearing. That's now, the big that argument. Okay. That's the NFLPA. Which and anybody that, paying attention could have said that. <laughs> so we got a reasonable <laughs> well, judge that didn't you know hide what? behind Article 46. But this is a slam for the NFL because you look at this, what they're saying, the NFLPA's arguments were this. Kia Roberts, the woman who did the interviews of the accuser here, Tiffany Thompson, did all the interviews of her but wasn't allowed, according to the NFLPA, to communicate directly to Roger Goodell. Now, Not the NFL that. says she didn't have to communicate directly. She communicated 
stated it to, to her superior, to That's which right. the judge says? The judge says, well, could say in this case that that person didn't have all the information. They didn't do the interviews. You should have had the main person talking to Goodell at that point. Not only that, Elliot didn't get a chance to confront Tiffany Thompson in his hearing. Or get Tiffany- the notes. Right. That's right. And that's yeah. a big thing. And that was a problem in Brady, by the way. They complained that they couldn't get the notes of Jeff Pash, who was a part of that investigation. And that ended up backfiring on them in district court. So I think in this case, the judge looked at it and said, look, this is a real case. That's the bottom line here. This is a real case. That is not what the NFL wanted in this case. Now, they got a couple of moves, too. They could try to appeal. They could try to put them on the exempt list, which means you pay them, not play them. I don't know what their ability to do that is because they've got some restrictions there, it appears. Or they can continue to try to force this to be heard in New York. More favorable because, home field advantage. Oh, because they got <laughs> yeah. the Brady precedent there, right? Yeah. They won the Brady precedent there. But right now, big win for Elliott because he's staying on the field. Well, I was going to ask you, since we were talking about def- deflate gate. Mm-hmm. Now, there was a point in that case where it looked as if the NFL was defeated. Yeah. That they had finally met their match. <laughs> mm-hmm. Seems to be some shade or semblance of that in this particular case. Yeah. Is there anything or any comparison that can be drawn in terms of how the NFL ultimately turned that around to what would be applicable with Ezekiel Elliott? Oh, yeah. To how they may do that here. An appeals court looked at this. I remember sitting in that courtroom hearing the appeals court go at this. They were asking the NFL all these pointed questions about their process. And at the end of the day, with one appeals court judge dissenting, the other two said, this is a collectively bargained process. And in that process, there is no guarantee of a particular process, meaning a particular hearing that has to go a certain way where you have to have certain witnesses that he hears from. That was not part of this bargain, this CBA. And that's what could happen here. That's why I still say it's a bit of a long shot for Elliot to win the overall case. What he wanted really, I think, was to get on the field right now. Because if you can get that preliminary injunction going, the momentum is going in your favor. But the problem is on the overall case, there's a lot of precedent out there. Brady, Peterson, others that say that the NFL can have a process as long as they're adequately hearing this case, as long as they're deciding on evidence that's firm and credible. That process has generally been upheld in the courts. As you know, Ryan, these decisions, these written decisions yeah. are all about language. Yep. So I want you to parse oh, this language. Ahead. This is just one quote. Okay, mm-hmm. Judge Mazant says, quote, this case presents unique and egregious, Ooh. what is it? Unique and egregious what? Circumstances, unique mm-hmm. and egregious circumstances necessitating court intervention. Okay, that's big. So what this is, is this is... Did I get that right? Is that, did I get that language right, Jeremy? It, excuse me, unique and egregious facts, excuse me, that, necessitating court intervention. That's necessitating big. court intervention. I, I'll say two things about that. First of all, The last thing, we talked about this before, courts do not want to get involved in collectively bargained agreements. They don't want to get involved in arbitrations. The last thing they want are courtrooms flooded with arbitrators and and victims who say that they've been aggrieved and the process didn't work for them. Now we're going to court. This, for this judge, was so bad that he feels the court has to get involved. That's the other problem with this. The NFL put so much time into this process. Year-long investigation. Consulted with experts, four different experts. Went back and suspended Josh Brown. You went back and suspended Josh Brown. Just to be sure. Now, people were looking at that as some kind of larger conspiracy. Now, it totally looks like that. Can I tell you, when I heard about that, was the biggest head-scratcher of them all to me. You have all the other days of the year to come down with that punishment you choose today, obviously it's going to look to a lot of people like you're trying to cover your tracks. Right. And I, I, I would assume that the judge wasn't influenced by that, but that's, that's not something you want him to be influenced but by. But the next judge might be, right? And, and that's a possibility. But the big thing, when he's saying egregious, or uh, I can't remember what you said, but something about egregious based on the facts, he's saying that this process was flawed. Yeah. And he's saying 
He's actually doing exactly what the NFL doesn't want anybody to do. Go in, look at what Roger Goodell was able to consider, and maybe buy into this process that there was a conspiracy, buy into this idea that Roger Goodell didn't have all the information he should have, even though the NFL would argue he had as much information as he needed to have to make the decision, and that's what well, the that's CBA what requires. Well, that's what originally had said, anyway. Yeah. Can I say something real quick? Kind of like Anything, a point of yeah. order, and I kind sure. of feel like it should be said, because mm-hmm. we're talking about a domestic violence accusation. Yep. And we don't know what happened. Right. Nobody knows but Ezekiel Elliott and Tiffany Thompson. There's questions as to her credibility when it comes to the accusations, but it, he still could have committed these acts. Yeah. So I just want to make it clear that our reaction to this mm-hmm. has nothing to do with whether or not perhaps a guilty individual got off based on the NFL not doing its investigation properly. We know the justice system never charged him, never prosecuted him. He's never, they, they didn't find it credible to begin with. So there's that. Yeah. I, I just felt the need to point that out because, and as we talked about as this was building to this day, Jamel, this case at a certain point was going to stop being about domestic violence and stop being about a potential victim or an alleged victim getting some kind of retribution or some kind of justice, even though it wasn't legal or financial, but at least Ezekiel Elliott was going to pay something of a price if he did this. Yeah. It stopped being about that long time ago. It once again devolved into the NFL versus the players, right. uh, the power of using that power yeah. and player conduct. So I, I just wanted, it just felt like, you know, I didn't want this tone to kind of get to a place where we were kind of talking about it. Lucy Goosey, when we're talking about perhaps a man putting his but, hands but, on a woman. But so this, is, but this is where it is relatable. Legalese aside, mm-hmm. is that if you look at the collection of cases when it comes to domestic violence where the league has tried to, they've tried to, to dole out some kind of punishment. It, so Greg Hardy's suspension, mm-hmm. we saw what happened with that. We saw what happened with initially what they tried to do to Ray, Ray Rice. We saw just today what happened with Josh Brown. More than ever before, what this crystallizes is that they are in over their heads mm-hmm. when it comes to this issue mm-hmm. overall. Because I know people felt uncomfortable. We certainly did in the discussions that we had. Ezekiel Elliott has a lot of issues, mm-hmm. maturity issues, this aside from, uh, from the domestic accusations against him. But it just felt like too much of this case, the NFL felt like they needed a win. Yeah. They needed to yeah. prove and to show and This was people. rooted in optics and PR. Exactly. Yeah. But and the problem is, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, 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 go ahead. Because, the, uh, go, go ahead. The, the problem is they get wrong, it seems, the easiest things to get right. Let's talk about where this all started, right? When everybody saw that Ray Rice video, no matter what you think of Ray Rice now, any of that, whatever, when everybody saw that video, they were horrified. They said, how could this mean a two-game suspension? People started looking at the game and saying, wait a second, is this what we're seeing on the field? Are these the people you're asking us to sit in the seats for? So the NFL came up with, in a sense, a zero-tolerance policy. You do it one time, six-game suspension. Everybody got behind that. I think what's been interesting about this case is, rather than they, they focused on having this elaborate process But the little things Mm -hmm. that were just easy to do, and by the way, the NFLPA would have found arguments all over the place no matter what. That's what good lawyers do. But the little things, not interviewing the investigator, sure, you don't have to do that. At least that's what a lot of people will argue, and the NFL will argue that as well. And they will also argue that they did have her input. But not having her as a part of the hearing, why not? Not having Tiffany Thompson there, they don't have to do that. That's what they'll argue. 
Why not? Yeah, well, because it, you know they're going to bring it up as an appealable issue. I think they have a little bit of tunnel vision, right. thinking that when on paper things benefit us, we will win. Well, and the problem is that's not necessarily what's happening. It's almost like sometimes. the opposite Joe theory, you know, when it comes to hiring coaches in the NFL. He's a player's coach. you got to get disciplinary and vice versa. <laughs> exactly. We messed up by having Ray and Janae Rice in the same room while yeah. we were interviewing them to dole out the initial two-day so suspension. Was so now yeah. not, not even have Tiffany Thompson or the person accused, uh, uh, excuse me, the person who interviewed yeah. her present during the appeals process. And, I'm, and going back to Ray Rice, as, a, as, as horrifying as the video was, once again, it became about, well, why didn't you get the video? Yes. Right. Why could the media get it, why? but why couldn't you get it? So let's ask the next legal yeah. step here for mm-hmm. the NFL. Could the NFL, Ryan, request an emergency stay? Is that an option? They could do it. Yeah, they could. T- it seems like they can. Typically, you can't do that with a TRO, but when you talk about a preliminary injunction, they should be able to request an emergency stay. So they should be able to have the uh, appeals court look at this and try to at least stop what's happening now, meaning he can play and try to get their award enforced. That will be interesting. The next thing in play is what happens in New York at this point, because they've got a filing out there in New York where they tried to get New York courts where they have strong precedent to basically bless this suspension. So there's a lot more moves that they have, and this is far from over. You know the NFL is going to fight tooth and nail because what they're really concerned about is precedent. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about player conduct policy, I always say when you think about Roger Goodell, he's not a lawyer. Right. And he's apparently a, not a football expert. He's, well, <laughs> That's well he, he's a marketer. He's somebody who cares about the brand. Yeah. And part of what I think he's concerned about is what are we putting? I want to be able to control the conduct of these players through these kinds of penalties. If you give an inch, if you, they're not going to just let this go. Yeah. You give an inch. The next thing you're going to keep having this problem over and over again. They feel like they need to enforce yeah, but, their rights. But going back to your point earlier, yeah. like a lesson until they can remove some of the commissioner's power in the next CBA negotiations. And then, again, what are you willing to sacrifice and how long are you willing to fight in order to do so? Article 46 is still there. Right. This is not the first loss or, let's say, it's not the first deficit they've faced in court. They've Tom lost Brady. in court before. Mm-hmm. They've lost. Like, but they keep coming back to this because, ultimately, if it comes back to optics, we talked about this when Ezekiel Elliott was going to first be on the field for week one, whether that was a bad look for the NFL to have a guy accused of domestic violence who's supposed to serve a suspension playing in a primetime game and open a season on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, because they did their part. Because the, the, the average fan who is, is grossed out, rightfully so, and, and, and has no sympathy to somebody accused of domestic abuse is not going to look at the NFL as problematic here, they're going to look at this as here's another failure of the legal system because we're here in this place with the NFL, mainly because the legal system often is flawed when it comes to protecting victims of sexual assault and domestic violence. So because Ezekiel Elliott wins in court, his fantasy owners and Cowboys fans are cheering, but there's a large contingent in the NFL fan base that's like, well, this is messed up. Here's somebody that we believe, in the court of public opinion, we've already rendered our verdict, we believe, quote-unquote, we believe that he did this, He's getting off. That's not the NFL's fault. So I, I say all that to say, Ryan, mm-hmm. even when they lose, they win. Well, uh, real quick, guys, I want to take you to the NFLPA statement, okay. um, which has just been released. As you see it there, uh, commissioner discipline will continue to be a distraction from our game for one reason, because NFL owners have refused to collectively bargain a fair and transparent process. That exists in other sports. This, quote, imposed system remains problematic for players and the game. But as the honest and honorable testimony of a few NFL employees recently revealed, it also demonstrates the continued lack of integrity within their own league office. And I'll also add to this, Adam Schefter says, a source has told him that Ezekiel Elliott 
is expected to play all year. Wow. Mm. I wow. wouldn't be surprised. And, and to, get, to get a judge to either buy into the idea of a conspiracy mm-hmm. or you just not being buttoned up in your process is just, just appalling because the, idea, I, the, the NFLPA, if I recall correctly, accused the NFL of covering up information and withholding it from Roger Goodell. They all are on the same page, presumably, when it comes to domestic violence. So why would they need to conceal information from a commissioner who wants to appear tough on domestic violence in order to secure a suspension? It's a great point. Two big questions here. Why and who? Why would you want to have a conspiracy to somehow disadvantage one of the biggest stars in the game? B, who did it? They couldn't identify either because they said they weren't allowed to talk to the commissioner in the hearing. Good point there. And that all these other people, when they tried to confront uh, the witness, uh, excuse me, the, uh, the accuser, the accuser here, Tiffany Thompson, they weren't allowed to question her in the hearing. So those are two big deals. But that statement is very interesting, right? Mm-hmm. What they're trying to do, collective bargaining agreement, right? To give something, you got to get something and vice versa. So... They like what's happening now, the NFLPA, and it's part of the genius of their filing in Texas. Before Henderson even ruled, they got in front of a Texas judge. Now this Texas judge is ruling right now in their favor. And the key thing to that is, and they're mentioning right there in that statement is, hey, courts, let's put the pressure on them in court so they will feel pressured to do what they really want here, a neutral arbitrator. That's what the NFLPA really wants. And they want it without having to give up something else, like something financial in a collective bargaining agreement. This is one of the many steps in a very long battle in the CBA. And for them, if they can keep getting wins like this and the bad PR for the NFL, it helps them in that aspect. But the NFL will hold fast because same kind of thing happened in Brady and they won out. So this is this is you got two parties who are stuck. And in the meantime, I don't think it's really serving anybody. Right. It's not really helping victims. Nope. It's not, not really helping the violence. image of the league, making everybody look bad. Yeah. Now, usually when we go to Marty Smith, he's somewhere being shot out of a cannon. But right now, he's with Clemson coach Dabo Sweeney, who has a big matchup with Auburn this weekend. Thanks, guys. Here with Clemson head coach Dabo Sweeney. My man's got a shiner on his right eye there. Little little noontime ball elbow, huh? Little Thursday noon ball. That's right. Hey, that's all right. Those are good war wounds right there. Kept playing. Played to it. Let's get right to it, man. Kelly Bryant. For all intents and purposes, the nation will be introduced to Kelly tomorrow night yeah. against Auburn. What should we know about him, and what's he got to do to win this game for you? Well, he's, he's a great young person, first of all. I mean, he's, he's just a, a person of excellence. I mean, he's a great student. So all those things, I'd want people to know that first and foremost. He's not just a good football player. Uh, but the next thing is, is he's well prepared, and he is put in the work. So uh, I don't have any doubt he's going he's to be ready to go. You always tell me, every time we chat, I think, I don't want a great team. I want a great program. Certainly you've built that. A lot of people wonder this year, okay, what are they? Can they do this again? (laughs) And I know it's early, but I would love to know about the Alpha Dogs. How confident are you in this group that they're going to do something special as well? Well, every year we always say we're on a quest for best, and we really are. Uh, You know, there's a lot of things that can go into your record and so forth. I just want a team year in and year out that's committed to being the best they can be. What that is, I don't know. Uh, and and you, you, you grow your identity as you go through the course of the season. You find out, I'm going to learn some stuff tomorrow night as well. Uh, but I know this, this team is, has put the work in and they've got the ingredients of an excellent team. But they got to go earn that. You got to earn that on the field and, and that takes a certain mindset. So uh, regardless of what happens tomorrow night, we've got a long way to go, but this is a great opportunity 
for us to grow our team and to further prepare our team for, uh, you know, a long season, but to have a great season. So you're getting ready to head off to your son's high school football game, yeah. right? Drew's game, right? That's right. Middle son. That's right. What's Dabo Sweeney dad like in the stands? How's that go? Oh, man, I, I just kind of sit there and, and I'm dad. I get me a popcorn and a pickle and a Diet Coke, and I just watch the game. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's always fun. I, try to, I just try to enjoy it and keep a low profile. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but there's an NCAA rule change gaining traction that not only is common sense, but fair to college athletes. This month, an NCAA academic committee will consider a proposal that would make transfers immediately eligible to play, provided that they meet a certain GPA requirement. Predictably, college coaches are already flipping out about this. They hate it, which only makes me love it more. Nick Saban said coaches won't be able to adequately plan their recruiting because players will essentially be free agents at the end of each season. Well, Coach, considering that you keep a stack of five-star recruits at all times, I tend to believe you'll figure it out. Indiana coach Archie Miller told the recruiting website Scout that because of this potential rule change, college basketball would undergo, quote, one of the dirtiest recruiting periods that you've ever seen. Yeah, because college recruiting has been such a squeaky clean business. Now, Mount St. Mary's basketball coach, Jamie and Christian, said he's worried that players would be looking for an opportunity to move up every year. Oh, you mean kind of like college coaches? Now, Christian's Mount St. Mary program had five players transfer last year, so I get why he's a little salty. And speaking of salty, another reason changing the transfer rule makes sense is because it would stop salty coaches from engaging in the despicable practice of blocking players from transferring. Now, as it stands, a lot of players already are circumventing the current transfer rule, which requires them to sit out a year by graduating early so that they can play somewhere else right away. So why not get ahead of it? And as a bonus, finally do right by the players that fund your billion-dollar existence. Speaking of money, Jamel, I love the smell of 45.6 PPR points on a Friday morning. Smells like victory, I imagine. Never experienced that high for myself. Wish I'd had the guts to take Kareem Hunt with the 18th pick. But if you did, after a record 246 scrimmage yards and three touchdowns in his debut, after fumbling on his first NFL touch, no less, then I bet your food tasted better this morning and you had a glide in your stride and a dip in your hip when you headed (laughs) out the door today with how good that young man looked right out of the gate. Hunt's got you sitting on a lead and sitting pretty in week one. On the other hand, if you faced him, it probably puts you in a hole and definitely in a bad mood for three whole days. But it could be worse. You could have let your brother slash GM convince you that Jared Goff was a better streaming option than Alex Smith this week with Jameis on a bye. I know, I know, you don't care about my fantasy team. But back to your fantasy team. So I'm not hosting fantasy football kickoff on Sunday mornings this year, but some of you still appreciate and solicit my insight. Here's my only piece of advice this season. Don't take anybody's. Not mine, not Matthews, not Fields, Fabiano's, or Evans. We're all just guessing. It's not gospel. Do your research and do you. Actually, one other thing, I'm sorry, to whom it may concern. Please don't insult your fellow league members' intelligence with idiotic trade offers. And for goodness sake, don't be the selfish guy or girl who checks out once your bad team is out of it. Us contenders are counting on you. All right, that's it. Good talk. Good luck, guys. I'm here if you need me. Just don't blame me, but at me. Now, in case you hadn't heard Ezekiel Elliott, he, a judge has granted 
him a temporary restraining order and an injunction. And it appears, uh, at least according to Adam Schefter, that he will likely play all season now. Um, we reacted to, uh, to this through most of the hour. But one thing I want to address is Ezekiel Elliott, the person. Um, and I try not to put everything that he's been accused of and done all into one pot. But clearly there's some maturity issues there. And I hope that he takes this however long, if he does play the season and if he fully overturns this, I hope he understands that you are this close, my man. And you need to take this as a second chance, even though you haven't been technically convicted of anything. Yeah, uh, going on the field real quick, this could be a season-defining decision. A lot of people look at this season through the prism of this suspension. Denver, Arizona, Green Bay, Washington, teams that he is now available to play against. The ripple effect is huge. More Sports Center right after this.